Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Well, Marco Scandella, when he gets healthy again, and I think he will, he will continue to thrive in that role as being a shutdown guy. I think him and, to me, Nico Mikola are the two guys that, that really stand out as far as guys that are going to go out there and kind of do what Colton Pareko does as far as um, shutting down. That was Joey Vitale with us yesterday talking about which Blues defensemen need to step up with Colton Pareko being hurt right now, which sucks. It's not just Pareko, though, man. Scandella has been hurt for much of the season. And now the big news yesterday, Scott Perunovic just had shoulder surgery. He's expected to miss the rest of the year. This might not sound like a big injury because he hasn't been playing for the National Hockey League club. That doesn't make it any less significant for the Blues. We've been talking all year about what the future looks like for Vince Dunn. There was the report from TSN that the Blues are officially looking to potentially trade Vince Dunn. I think we can squash that for the here and now and maybe even for the rest of the year because with Pareko hurt, Marco Scandella working through things still, still, Scott Perunovic now being out for the season, what was once your deepest position on the roster is now starting to become a little thin when you look at the top-end talent. Vince Dunn, I don't think, is any longer expendable. I think he is now one of the more important pieces to this team, which is wild to say, and I never thought I would be saying it a couple of weeks ago, but I think we've arrived at this place. We have. You know, the more we talked about it the last couple of weeks about when the report came out of possibly Vince Dunn being shopped and is his time here done, the more you thought about it, you're saying, boy, you can't give him up because of the injuries that they've gone through. I mean, look, Marco Scandella, uh, if he plays tonight, would snap a game streak of three games that he they've been without him, but he hasn't practiced in the last couple of days, so I highly doubt he's going to be there. Colton Pareko is not 100%. We know that. Um, you were also, you've been without Robert Bortuzzo for a long period of time. Carl Gunnarsson has had injury pass, and now with no Scott Perunovic, the depth on the D side is starting to get really smaller. Now, that can change moving forward. That's what you have the depth for. You know, you still have a Jake Wallman who's on this taxi squad. There's a guy, Scott Santini, who's playing in the minors. I know the face is like, who the hell is that? <laughs> okay. But he's a guy who's played in the NHL. What, what, what was that name? 
Scott Santini. If we're going to that level of right. depth, we can't trade Vince Dunn. Right. <laughs> we, that that is where we draw the line. Once Santini's name gets brought up on this show, then we're in trouble. That's when we know. Okay, we've officially arrived at the place. Vince Dunn, you are no longer expendable, sir. Well, and with Scott Perunovich going down, that's why I bring his name up because Perunovich would have been ahead of him because he was on the taxi squad, and now that, of course, Perunovich is done. You have a lot of things moving along. This is good for Vince Dunn, in my opinion, because the thing that Doug Armstrong has continued to tell us fans and the media, Vince Dunn's a top four defenseman for them. They want him. They project him to be a top four defenseman. So this is his time to be a top four defenseman. And if you don't reach that pinnacle, that goal that, that they're hoping for and that you're hoping for, then, yeah, you might move on from him. But right now, Vince Dunn is crucial for this team moving forward because you have to have veteran experience the problem is that's a lot of size that you're trying to fit into your roster without Bortuzzo who's going to be there without Pareko who's done 100% and without Scandella so I know we're big on these percentage games here what percentage are you that he is not traded 100% I I think there's a 0% chance right now that he's traded I'd be stunned I, I don't know how you can do it you can't I the only way I could see you could do it is if you were getting a more in my mind a more defensive-minded defenseman in return. But I don't know if that would happen, so I would say I'm like 90% sure he's not going to be traded. Here's the other thing, too, with Vince Dunn. You can't trade him and get something in return unless that something in return is basically zero salary because Vince Dunn's salary is what everyone is talking about when Tarasenko comes off of the uh, the long-term injury list. So I'm with you. I think there's a 0% chance that Vince Dunn is traded unless the Blues are blown away But the other thing that comes in with Vince Dunn, guys, and this is what I've been saying for a while, he becomes an asset for you when you get towards the end of the season and when you get closer to the expansion draft. What did John Forslund tell us yesterday, uh, the the, the current Seattle Kraken broadcaster? They're going to want cheap, cost-controlled players, and Vince Dunn is one of those guys. But for the time being... He's going to be a top four defenseman for the Blues because they need him to be a top four defenseman. Yeah, I mean, right now, who are the defensemen that you trust more today? I'm talking about today based on how they are health-wise and how they've played recently. I would say the defenseman that I trust more than him right now, Justin Falk for sure, probably Tori Krug. Did you throw Mikula in there? I would I would have Krug on that list too. And maybe Mikula. I'd have Gunnarsson and Bortuzzo on there as well. Over Vince Dunn? Yeah. I do not trust them more than Vince It's the Vince same Dunn about right a now. trust for Vince Dunn that I have for Carl Gunnarsson and Robert Bortuzzo because these guys have played a lot more games in the NHL. I just think Vince Dunn is more talented, and I'm oh, going to always just, yeah. side on that side of it. Like, I think the upside for Vince Dunn is so much higher than it is for either Gunnarsson or Bortuzzo that I'm going to lean towards that. And, so, and, and the reason why I bring this up is basically because it comes back to Colton Pareko. Pareko is a very good player when he's healthy. He's not right right now. Mm -hmm. He's not healthy at this current time. And so when you have a guy that should be probably your number one defenseman who's playing closer to, in terms of the on-ice caliber right now, a third-pairing defenseman, it means that Vince Dunn is that much more important. To your point on him becoming an even bigger asset right now, this is the time when he can really step up. He should be considered a top two defensive pairing defenseman right now. Yeah, that's where he should be playing with all of these other injuries that are taking place. And so it's a big opportunity that lies ahead for Vince Dunn over the next week or two while they're dealing with some of these injuries still. 
I want to see what he's got. It's time for him to be able to reclaim what he previously was. There was a time when we all loved Vince Dunn. Let's see him get back to that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there's a big thing, though, for Vince Dunn is not so much on the offensive side. We know that this guy is gifted offensively, and he's an asset for this team. He's got to be strong on his stick in his own zone. He has to be a defensive responsibility for the Blues to where they can rely on him to go up against these top matchups. And look, I'm with what Joey said yesterday. Colton Pareko at 75% is much better than Colton Pareko at 0%. And you can't sit him right now because if you sit him and try and get him to recover, you're talking about maybe a week, maybe more. You're That's eight, nine, ten maybe games right now this season. So Colton Pareko is still an Just asset. 20% of the season. Exactly. Marco Scandella is going to come back. That's why they're resting him to make sure he's going to be closer to 100%. But you're right. Vince Dunn has to be relied upon in the sense of you're a top four defenseman now. Go out there and perform like one. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. It's 1111. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler from the 636. Guys, it's not that big of a deal that Perunovic is down. Let's relax. It's unfortunate, but he was not going to play in the NHL this season anyways. He probably would have if they traded Vince Dunn. That's why it's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. He might not have been an every game starter, but he would have been the next man up if this Blues team traded Vince Dunn now. Now the next man up is a bunch of dudes that you don't want playing on the on the NHL roster. And so it becomes that much more important, first of all, that none of these guys get hurt now. You can't have Pareko re-aggravating whatever it is that is the injury right now and making it even worse. You can't lose Justin Falk. You can't lose Tory Krug. Their margin for error was pretty significant on the back end. They had so many dudes, so much depth that they could they could deal with some injuries. Now they're getting to the place where it's starting to get tougher and tougher to deal with those injuries because they're losing so many bodies. And yeah. the ones that they do have out there right now aren't at 100% yeah. already. It doesn't seem like it's that big of an issue, but I mean, let's be honest. Let's look at the depth here. I mean, you got Nico Mikola, who's probably 6'7", Carl Gunnarsson right behind Nico Mikola, and then Jake Wallman right behind Carl Gunnarsson. But I would have Scott Perunovich named right there underneath Jake Wallman, if not with Jake Wallman. I would have it above Jake Wallman. Yeah. So, well... At least the Blues don't view it that way because he's been on the taxi squad. Jake Wallman has been the one that's gotten the call up. They were hoping that Perunovic could get some time in the AHL with the Utica Comets, and now, unfortunately, that's kind of had a hit. But you're right, BK. If you go through three or four defensemen, I mean, you're talking one tweak to Colton Pareko, one hit to Robert Bortuzzo, one puck blocked by Carl Gunnarsson, and you're down three defensemen. So that's where this depth is crucial for the Blues, and that's why it may not seem like a big deal to people, but you're already taking blows to that depth right now. So let's expand this a little bit. We know that the Blues have had their season upended by some of these COVID issues going on around the league, and that has continued to be the case. Now they're going to play another three games. This is insane. Another three games against the Coyotes. The first one is tonight, then they play again tomorrow, and then another one on Monday. You'll hear that game right here on 101 ESPN. It is a matinee that'll be at a pregame of 2 o'clock on Monday, so that'll preempt the fast lane. Alex, what can you tell our listeners about what the NHL is doing now? It looks like they're adding some new COVID-19 protocols. Yeah. There's been some whispers, some swirls about, hey, is it time to maybe pause this season for a week, get these things under wraps? Are they basically implementing these as their last gasp 
Let's see if this works. And if it doesn't, we'll we'll see what we got to do then. But what what's going on right now with the NHL and these protocols? Yeah, this reminds me a lot of what Major League Baseball was doing with the Marlins and with the Cardinals of like, hey, you guys need to get this under control or we're going to have to shut it down for a little bit of time. And that's what I think this last ditch is. Um, a couple of the rules that pop out, you know, they've already taken the glass out from behind the bench to add more airflow into the arena. Um, they've done that with the penalty box now. So when guys are in there, they can protect or, or, or add more airflow um they're limiting the amount of time that the players can be in locker rooms or in groups before games after games to try and make sure that those contact numbers are down lower they're making them do zoom calls if they're not basically on the ice there's no more meetings that they're getting together for and the biggest one is what they told the players for home and road games when you're on the road you're in your room when you're not on the road when you're at home limit the amount of time that you leave. They're hoping and telling the players that, look, if you're leaving, it's to the practice rink or it's back to your house. Please limit the amount of time that you're moving around. It is the last ditch effort because I think the NHL is on the line right now. Last night they had three games postponed. I think right now they're in the midst of five or six teams that have been postponed in the last couple of days. You're affecting the outcome of a 56 game schedule. And I think that's what the NHL is trying to protect from. And I wouldn't be surprised if the NHL is telling these players too, BK, get this together or we're going to have to do a bubble. There's also some added testing that it sounds like is going to be taking place. Um, they're, they're doing everything they can. We knew it was going to be tough. We watched it with the Cardinals. We knew that there were going to be some starts and fits to this. And we have certainly seen that thus far. And hopefully as things go along, the league is able to get this stuff under wraps because yeah. if they don't, it might take a little bit of a pause for them to be able to do so with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Six, five, seven, eight, Oh, is the air comfort service text line to get involved in the show throughout the day. We'll talk with Lou Korak about the blues defense situation coming up at 1130 coming up next though. Clayton Kershaw made a great point about baseball in an article that was written yesterday. I want to discuss that and talk about what it could mean for teams moving forward. Coming up next on one Oh one ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. So Clayton Kershaw is coming after your baseball team. No, not your baseball team, but the Cubs specifically, which means we like him a little bit here. So he was quoted in the Los Angeles times and he was asked about, Hey, you know, what do you think about what's going on around baseball right now with teams basically just saying, Hey, we've got an expensive player. Go ahead and take him from us. Yeah. It's you Darvish. He's really good, but go ahead and take him off our hands. And Clayton Kershaw to the LA Times said for every Astros or Cubs story, there's going to be 10 other teams that don't win and they're just going to have to do it all over again. And how as a fan base, can you accept that? The whole rebuild, don't spend money for a few years, get a bunch of draft picks and try to do it. It's tired. Every team does it now. Every single team. They need to be more creative, figure something out. There's a lot of smart guys in front offices. Figure something out that's easier than trading away a Cy Young potential winner and you Darvish, who's been one of the top five pitchers in baseball for a year and a half. Trading that guy for a prospect who could potentially be good, but they're 17, 18 years old. Kyle Davies is a great pitcher, but to me, that's just... For the Chicago Cubs to do that, it's not good. It's just not good for the game. Clayton Kershaw hits on something here that I think is really important for baseball to get figured out, and more specifically for front office people to get figured out. There was a point in time when tanking was a really smart thing to do. 
It was about five, six, seven years ago. It was a really, really smart idea because there weren't a bunch of teams doing it. And when you're the only one that is doing something, you have a market inefficiency. And so you can, by bottoming out the way that the Cubs did, the way the Astros did, the Royals did this, all of them ended up going to the World Series and winning it as a result of what they did. When you go that route, it can work. The problem is you look across baseball this year, you might have to win 50 games to be able to get the number one overall pick. You are not only tanking, you are trying to tank more than the other seven teams that are doing the same exact formula that you are. And when you're going that route and maybe you win 65 games and now you get the fifth pick instead of the first pick. Well, what do we tank for? We ended up getting the fifth best player in this draft in a draft that is already a total crapshoot. I don't think that baseball has adjusted to where the game is now. And I think it's going to result in a lot of fan bases becoming completely alienated from their teams because their teams are not trying. So I, I think Clayton Kershaw makes a fantastic point here. And it's something that's probably not discussed enough, especially as you look across the league going into this season in particular. And you got a whole lot of teams that are trying the same tired ass plan es- once again. Especially BK, when you look at the draft now compared to what the drafts used to be, there is so much more information. There are so much more scouts right now that you could get yourself a, a, a strong draft pick without being that number one over. I mean, globally, look at the past 10 years. I I mean, we've seen plenty of busts when it comes to the major league baseball draft of teams that are picking that number one overall spot. Now I felt like, and I heard the guys on the fast lane talk about this yesterday, and I couldn't agree more as much as this was Clayton Kershaw calling out other major league teams. This was also calling out the CBA process going into next season, because I feel like this was him basically saying, this needs to be resolved because there can't be any more of this. Well, let's just tank for these top picks and move from there. There can't be any more of this Tampa Bay Rays. We'll keep a guy until he gets past his arbitration years, and then we'll move on from him, i.e. a Blake Snell. There has to be more competition from within these teams. And again, I don't know if it's ever going to get into the part where you've seen in the NHL where it comes to those CBA salary caps in Major League Baseball, but this this felt like a shot heard around the MLB with Clayton Kershaw calling out the CBA problems right now. And I hope it fixes it because, frankly, it, 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 it takes away from the game when you have teams like the Cubs or teams like the Cincinnati Reds that are trading away these guys or getting rid of these guys rather than keeping them and trying to compete. I completely agree. It was a shot towards the CBA that's coming up after or after this season. Although I I do agree a certain point that you have to hit the reset button. The Cubs were not there. I mean, let's be honest. They had tons of talent. I don't even think the Reds are close to hitting the reset button because they went out and spent big last offseason. But I don't know, like the salary cap was something I would love to see a salary cap in baseball. I just don't know if it fixes it because you're going to have, you're you're still going to have your teams like Tampa Bay that's going to say, oh, okay, we'll go right to where the floor is, and that's it. Like It's going to be – I don't know how you solve it. To me, there is no solution to this issue. Well, and Jamie Rivers made the comp yesterday from the NHL prior to the 2004 lockout where you had the Edmonton Oilers that were, were running off of like a $10 million salary cap because they didn't have to spend to the, the floor. Now It's the floor, not the ceiling, that matters with the cap. Exactly. That, that's the thing that people lose sight of. Like right now I'm looking at the, the payrolls across the league for Ario. The Marlins are expected right now, as of today, to spend $55 million on their payroll for 2021. 
The Orioles, $56 million. The Indians are expected to spend $50 million on their payroll for this upcoming year. Trevor Bauer is going to make $40 million for this upcoming season. By the way, the Pirates are spending $40.5 million right now on their 26-man opening day expected roster. $40 million. Yeah. That's that's embarrassing. Like you're spending about one point five million dollars per player is what they're expected to do this year. And that's not a major league roster. And it's embarrassing to the teams that are major markets like Boston and Florida team. I mean, these these big markets that have these players, they shouldn't be moving them like you shouldn't be moving on from a Mookie Betts if you're Boston, because you have a guy that you can build around and spend money on rather than say, nah, he's too much. Let's just rebuild and start over again. Tampa should not be moving on from Blake Snell after being to the World Series. They should be saying we need to pay this guy and we need to build around this guy rather than these teams that are saying not too much money. Let's move on from this all world player and find something better. I agree. But the problem that you run into is when we all say this. The Rays had the third lowest payroll in baseball, and they could have won the World Series. So it's hard to argue, well, you have to go spend money. The Rays can just counter and say, no, we don't. Look, we used analytics. We didn't spend money. That's why. That's where it's going to become tough in labor negotiations. The owners are going to say, we don't have to spend money. Look at the Rays. They got to a World Series. We've seen multiple teams do it in the past. I agree. I want to see teams like Tampa Bay keep their stars. Imagine if Blake Snell was a franchise guy there. For years to come. And Cleveland, they should never have had to trade Francisco Lindor to the Mets. Yeah. They never should have had to. They're, they didn't have to hit the reset button. They also didn't have to trade him. No, like, it, it's not only that they never should have to trade him. They, they literally didn't have yeah, to trade exactly. him. They could assign him to the 10-year contract extension or whatever he's asking for. It just seems like teams are like, uh, Cleveland's a perfect example. They have all of these cost-controlled young players, and they say, okay, let's go for it. And then once they go for it and they don't win it, that's when they say, let's blow it up. And that's why, frankly, you have to appreciate what's happening in St. Louis with the Cardinals. I heard Randy mention it this morning. The Cardinals have never selected under John Mozeliak higher than 18th in the, or higher than 19th in the yep. draft. They have the middle-of-the-pack top prospect pool right now in Major League Baseball, but they've continued to win. You have an immense amount of evaluators when it comes to drafting. There are tons of players that have Major League Baseball talent in the draft. If you don't believe it, go look at how a guy like Clayton Kershaw or a guy like Mike Trout, how low they were selected in the draft. You can do it without having to blow things up and being one of the worst teams because what are you saying to your fan base? Hey, we like baseball. You can come enjoy it. It's not selling the game, which is what Clayton Kershaw's going after here. And the other thing, like you look around baseball and what has also changed is it's not just that the Cardinals are not picking in the top five or whatever. It's that the draft is not the exclusive way where you can get your talent. You can get it internationally now. Yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. was not drafted. He was signed internationally. Wander Franco, who is the number one prospect in all of baseball right now for the Rays, the aforementioned Rays. He was signed internationally. Luis Roberts. So much of the talent that is flowing into Major League Baseball now is not coming through the traditional method of uh, drafting them number one overall Mm -hmm. and then developing them for the next three or four years and then finally getting them into your big league system. It's coming internationally. You're giving them a three, five million dollar signing bonus. They get into your system at like 17 years old. Some of them are in an academy by the time they're 14 years old. And then you flow through for the next decade where they are working out with your club to league or for your organization. 
It's just baseball has changed. And so, no, you don't have to tank to be able to get those guys. That's just all about the cash that you're willing to spend internationally. The Cardinals have been very active in that market, especially in recent years. That's how you go and get the talent now. You can get it in so many different ways, but that is certainly one of the biggest. And it's something that is not even it's not even part of tanking. That's never discussed when we're talking about tanking. You've got to be able to find that talent regardless of how it's coming to you. So I thought it was really interesting that Clayton Kershaw, one of the best players in baseball, was willing and able to come out and say some of these things publicly because I know it's what a lot of these players are feeling right now privately. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Very excited to be joined by our Blues insider for NHL.com, Luke Korak on the other side. I want to ask him what he thinks the Perunovic injury means for Vince Dunn and what are we expecting this weekend from the Blues against the Coyotes we gonna be able to see Ville Husso tomorrow night we'll talk about it all coming up with Lou Korak on 101 ESPN this is the BK and Ferrario podcast now here's BK and Ferrario Blues versus Coyotes tonight. Pre-game coverage starting at 7 o'clock. No, this is not a recorded show. Yes, that is actually happening once again with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's talk about that series and more about the Blues with our Blues insider for NHL.com. He is Lou Korak joining us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Lou, always appreciate the time, man. You looking forward to, I think, game 17 of this uh, Coyote series, my friend? I've lost track, to be honest with you. It's, it's crazy to think about uh, game number. What are we on five? Man, it's you know we're not into we're not into playoff mode yet, but uh, we're in unprecedented times. But uh, as a lot of the players have echoed, you know they're playing hockey, and that's what really matters here. Lou Ball, are you at the point now where you can just you know name a Arizona Coyotes player just from like the back of their head without looking at the jersey? No, because to be honest with you, the other night, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of us were still talking about, man, these guys have got some different names. I'm, I'm still finding myself like trying to spell Jacob Chikrin and, some, <laughs> and Ilya Labushkin and some of these other names, man. <laughs> it's, it's, given, it's given me a headache. No offense to those guys, but uh, when you have to constantly look at a roster to spell names, even after four games, uh, that, that should tell you the uniqueness of them. Yeah, just stay away when you tweet after Arizona scores, Lou. Just say Arizona no scores. Don't worry about <laughs> typing out the name because Twitter's just going to re- refix that for you. No kidding. Hey, no kidding. Lou, I'm curious. Why do you think the Blues have struggled against that top line for Arizona with Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, and um, Connor Garland? I mean, these three have made the Blues pay so far in this three-game losing streak. Well, they're quick uh, and 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 they're not afraid to uh, they're not afraid to come after you. I mean, they're they're basically challenging you uh, almost to the point of where they're like, uh, okay, uh, here we come. What are you going to do about it? And right now, the Really, the Blues haven't done a whole lot about it, and they're going to have to figure that out. And especially now, when you go on the road, because you know Rick Tockett didn't have that luxury in the first four games. Now he's going to have that luxury to get that line out there against uh, you know a, a unit of his choosing. So, as the home team, they'll have the last change, and you know a lot, a lot of times coaches will talk about that, and that'll matter. But uh, you know these guys just come at you with speed, and uh, there's some skill there. That color, that Connor Garland. I'll tell you what, I just <laughs> I kept calling him a little water bug out there. It's it, it's amazing watching, you know, especially. And I know 
you know, people can say what they want about Colton Pareko, but you just never see him get walked like that. Yeah. And Connor Garland did it to him the other night and did it with, I don't want to say relative ease, but with, with a lot of precision and skill there. And it takes a lot to be able to get around that big guy. So uh, you have to be impressed with what they're doing, but uh, the Blues will have their challenge on their hands for another three games with these guys, and they're going to have to figure it out. Lou, are the Coyotes better than we thought they were just as a whole, or are they just a terrible matchup for the Blues in particular? I think a little bit of both, uh, but you've seen it where they've just haven't been for whatever reason or not. They just haven't been a good matchup for this group. I, I, I can't really pinpoint why if, if I had a reason, and I'm, I'm sure the coaches are kind of saying the same thing. If, if they had a solution for it, they would have figured it out by now. I mean, you heard Craig Berube the other day. He just said, I'm tired of losing to them. <laughs> so, you know, they've lost three straight in this series, and uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to get back on the winning track here. And I think getting out on the road might help this team out. It, it always, a lot of this group has been around for a while now, and when they've had one of these hiccups where things just didn't go right, and, and, I, and I understand this has all been against one opponent, but when they've had this hiccup at home and haven't had the success on home ice that they've liked, they always seem to have gone out on the road and seem to have uh, reversed trend and got, gotten the job done. So I'm looking for a response tonight, and I think this group will bring it here. Lou, on the defensive side for the Blues right now, a lot of people questioning what's going on. If you look at they're in the bottom half of the league when it comes to goals allowed and goals allowed per game. Is this more of a struggle for individual players, or do you think this is just a team mentality that they're really trying to figure out how to play as a unit defensively? I think they're trying to figure out how to play as a unit. When you take away, you know, and I hate to keep going back to this, but when you take away an Alex Petrangelo off of that group, you're taking away, what, 24, 25 minutes a night that you saw number 27 on the ice. And, you know, you're trying to you're trying to incorporate a Tory Krug in here now. You're trying to uh, – you're giving Justin Falk more responsibilities. Uh, you know, they, they've been hit with a couple of injuries here. And I think a lot of that has to do also, guys, you have to understand uh, the penalty kill just as, as a whole has not been good enough. And that that area needs to improve. And, I mean, look, look at this series alone. I mean, the Blues are one for 17 on the power play, and they've allowed five, uh, five power play goals and 15 chances against. So – I don't necessarily think it's a reflection of maybe, you know, what you see in the five on five area that that's been their strength, but you know, just you're giving up a lot of goals on the man advantage side. And that that's, that's really something that's going to have to change, not just against this opponent, but everybody else moving forward. So I think that, I think the defensive unit's going to be okay. Um, it's, it continues to be a work in progress. And I know that's not something that, you know, the fan base wants to hear, they want to, they want to get this fixed in the here and the now, but, uh, it's a process, and I think it's a process that eventually will work itself out. Lou, I did want to follow up on that defensive core with you because with Pareko's undisclosed injury, I guess we'll call it, uh, Scandella being hurt for much of the season so far, Perunovic now out for the year. Are we officially to the point where the Blues don't really have enough margin for error with that group that Vince Dunn can be traded? Because, I mean, it's been, I guess, two weeks now probably since we first saw those reports that the Blues were looking to deal him. Is that something they can look into now, given all the injuries that they have in their decor? Uh, I would I would probably say pull the brakes back on that now because, yeah, you know, these are unforeseen things, you know. Nobody plans on injuries. Nobody expects injuries, but here they are. And I guess the good the good news about all that is is Marco Scandella did make the trip, so 
if you're making a trip uh, in a in a set where you're playing three games in four nights, uh, there might be a good chance you'll get him back in there. But I just think as a whole and overall, let's kind of pull the brakes back on on the Vince Dunn talk uh, there a little bit because you know there's ebbs and flows to his game. We understand that. We know that. That's pretty much been his mo since he's jumped into the league here with the Blues. And but you know what? Uh, there's there's an intangible that he does bring that a lot of uh, I don't know if you're going to trade for a draft pick, uh, picks, or even a young prospect, uh, which is probably the direction you would have to go in there. There's an intangible that Vince Dunn has that something that you would bring back doesn't, and he's got experience of winning a Stanley Cup, and that goes the, that goes a long way in my eyes. And uh, I just think that you know at 24 years old, continue to work with him, and I understand you have to deal. At some point with the expansion draft, who are you going to leave exposed? Who are you not going to leave exposed? So that that all does kind of complicate this a little bit. But as far as, uh, you know, just kind of making a knee-jerk reaction and uh, perhaps, you know, dangling done out there on the open market, I would tend to hold back on that a little bit because I still think that he's got a lot to bring to this organization. Lou, on the forward side of this, I know Craig Berube is still kind of searching for some chemistry for a couple of guys. Barbashev looked great on that top unit with O'Reilly and Perron their last game. Uh, do you see more juggling coming with this, or do you think that they're going to let this play itself out with Hoffman and Sunquist on that third line and just see if they can build something at five-on-five five together? Well, that third line has been an, an ever-changing scenario here since the season has started. And uh, to me, I just think that you're going to have to you're going to have to get Mike Hoffman going here a little bit. And I understand uh, this is new to him uh, being in the Western Conference, but he's going to have to he's going to have to be a factor. And, and I know he's gotten better here in the last handful of games or so. He's played much better. He's getting shots off again and. Uh, but I, but I think you're right. You know, let's let's try to find the right combinations for him. And if this works out, then then you got to roll with it. I think the Robert Thomas injury kind of set things back here a little bit because, you know, I, I really I really think they were of the belief that that duo there could work. And I know it didn't look like that in the beginning, but uh, you know, Robert Thomas has got that talent where you know, he's going to be able to dish pucks to a Mike Hoffman and Mike Hoffman's going to be in the right places at the right time to be able to get that shot off. So I think, you know, what you're seeing out of the top two lines, that's pretty much going to be a staple, but getting that third line and getting that secondary and, uh, and scoring from that bottom nine, that's where they're going to have to kind of level things off here. And I think that's going to help produce some wins here. And if you can get some goals out of those guys there, going to make those guys up in front of you that much more lethal he's Lou Korak you can follow him on Twitter at L Korak 10 you can also read his work over on NHL.com he's one of the best blues insiders in the business Lou we always appreciate the time man all the best to you and the family we'll talk with you again soon awesome boys pleasure talking to you as usual you got it that is Lou Korak joining us here on 101 ESPN Man, I'm done with this. I'm so done talking about Blues versus Coyotes. Oh, I thought that was like a pun with Vince Dunn. No, I'm done talking about Blues versus Coyotes. I hope that eventually we're going to be done with this series soon enough, I guess. Well, come Monday afternoon, we'll be finished with them. And then we don't have to worry until April for one game. And then pray that we don't have to see them in the playoffs. Don't jinx that. We'll we'll talk about this a little bit more coming up in the one o'clock hour. These are really significant games, by the way. Oh yeah, like, let's huge. not underestimate what this weekend series is going to be. The Blues have now played 13 games on the season. They are officially a point behind Vegas, and Vegas has played two fewer games. They are one point ahead of Colorado, 
Colorado has played two fewer games than the Blues have thus far. These are significant because you're about to end your series with maybe the fourth or fifth best team in the division. And if you end up going 0-3, 1-2 in these games, winning two games against Arizona while you still have another six games against Colorado and seven against Vegas, so 13 more games against the top two teams in your division, it could set you back quite a bit when it comes to the playoff seeding. Now, how much do you care about that? That's for each individual to to determine, but the playoff standings are going to start coming into focus earlier than normal because it is such a shortened season compared to usual. So let's not underestimate how significant these games are coming up this weekend. Well, and I, I will warn people that, look, if they get to the point where they have to take away the point standings when it comes to postseason and they go to point percentage, that could hurt the Blues. And look, a lot of people were pissed off last season when it came to the bubble and some teams made it, some teams didn't. Imagine being the Blues and you've played five more games than the Colorado Avalanche, but they're going by point percentage because everybody didn't get to play 56 games and you're on the outside looking in. Those 13 games are going to be huge against Colorado and Vegas if you don't go more than 500 against Arizona. But remember, you haven't even seen the Minnesota Wild yet. And in my opinion, Minnesota is the fourth best team in this division. And you have eight against them and Arizona is three points behind the Blues right now that's two wins and you're looking behind Arizona played one fewer game than the Blues Mm -hmm. the the Coyotes could have a little bit of a tiebreaker coming out of this series as well which is going to be potentially significant so do not underestimate what these games are this weekend I don't think you're doing that if you're a Blues fan after watching the first few but uh, definitely don't do that Blues versus Coyotes tonight pregame coverage with Alex Ferrario coming up at seven o'clock coming up next six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service text line questions and answers coming up on 101 ESPN this is the BK and Ferrario podcast now here's BK and Ferrario you've got questions we may have the answers Maybe text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 314. <laughs> Guys, all right, take off your Homer hats. Okay, I'm going to take Hold this on. off. Whoop. Put it over to the side. Do I got to take off the b- bow tie? No, but you do have to take off the tinfoil. That's, oh, that's dangerous. That's okay. So, someone's going to. Uh, Take into that mind, though. Let's do it. Going to need you to remove that for a moment. All right, fellas, take off your Homer hats. Those are done. This three-game series against Arizona. If I set the over-under at one and a half wins for the Blues, taking the over or under based on how they've played so far, because you could lose two out of three games, and they could go from second to fifth place by the end of the series. So you taking the over or under 1.5 wins for the Blues in this series? I'm taking the over. I, I One, this team's better on the road. This season and in the last three seasons, they've been better on the road. It seems like they can build energy faster on the road than what they can do at home. Two, Craig Ruby's pissed off. Like, I mean, he is is is. not happy. And look, he's been pissed off a lot this season, but he's not happy with this performance of the team. I expect them to come out strong in this one tonight. Arizona's going to have a good response, and that game on Monday afternoon is going to be interesting, but I'll take the over. I'm taking the over, too. I do think Arizona provides a bad matchup for the Blues, and that's why I almost took the under. So they could have won that last game against Arizona. Could have won two of those yeah, three two losses. Of them. Yeah, so that's why I think they do have the bounce back. I will say the over. I think they win two of three. Here goes B. Killington over here. <laughs> Buzz Killington is how you say it. Um, <laughs> at least get my name right. <laughs> um, Don't correct who's me. Who's starting tomorrow night? 
Oh, it'll probably be Who's So. You think? Yes, Who's So. That's I don't know reaction? if I'd be saying that right now with Huso. <laughs> is that your there's reaction? A, there's a chance that they run Bennington for these three games just because he's had a lot of rest and they, they gave him rest the other night. But Craig Ruby's making sure that they keep these guys fresh, specifically Bennington. So I would say you'll see Huso tomorrow and then Bennington will be tonight and Monday. I'll take the over. I don't feel good about it. This Coyotes team, they beat the hell out of you, man. They are, they are feisty. They now are able to play the matchups the way that they want to because they're at home. That's another advantage that they get that they didn't have here. I don't love this matchup for the Blues. I'm not saying anything that Blues fans don't already know, but I, I will take the over. They told me to take off my Homer hat. Don't roll your eyes. I don't feel great about it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty worried about it, honestly. Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I like this question from the 618. Guys, I don't know if you've seen, but the Cardinals just added another catcher. Does this mean that Andrew Kisner is on his way out? So they have added another catcher. The gentleman's name is, and I hope that I'm pronouncing this correctly, Ali or Ali Sanchez. He comes over from the Mets. He is, they traded basically nothing for him. Cash considerations. Uh, He was DFA'd by the Mets. So he's probably going to be in AAA for the Cardinals. I don't think this means anything for Andrew Kisner. I think it might mean something for our guy, Tyler Heineman. I don't feel great about that. Um, They also added him to the 40-man roster. So they now have just one more spot left on the 40-man roster. That, I think, is the more significant piece to this. The Cardinals are a team that cares a lot about what that 40-man roster looks like, and they will make sure you know it. They have one more person that they can add to that 40-man. I think that we are getting close to the point of not feeling like they're going to add anything coming up in spring training. Let me ask you this. If you're a team and you trade cash considerations, does that mean if you consider that you don't want to send cash, then you don't have to? I don't know how that works. Like if Mo just says, you know what? I thought about it and I don't think I want to send you cash, but thanks for Sanchez. I think that if I had to guess, I think that what it is is they don't want to put what the exact dollar figure is because it could be five bucks that they're sending to the Mets and like they're paying for their, awesome. their Starbucks yeah, tomorrow morning. I'll right? pay for your flight to St. Louis. <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't know how that works exactly, but yeah. I, I would imagine that it ain't a whole lot that they're sending to the Mets. But to answer the question, I, I, Kisner's safe. Kisner's the backup right now unless they go out there and get a veteran catcher, which I don't expect them to do. He's fine. This Sanchez is going to be in the same category as Heineman where he's going to be the third consideration if something happens to Yachty and Kisner. Um, Yvonne Herrera, of course, is still the number one guy who's going to be playing all of his time in AAA. But yeah, it is significant when it comes to that 40-man roster. I think it's protection, but I also think that he's been DFA'd before, so if they decide to take him off the 40 and DFA'd again, he might just find his way back to AAA. I'm surprised that they... I, I think they had to put him on the 40-man, if I'm not mistaken, based yeah, since he was claimed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that they kind of did this move because you had two open spots why not just i guess the one open spot you could argue they could just wait and see and see if the market heads to something but i would think that heineman was gonna i thought heineman was gonna be a guy that got added to the 40 man later on to be the third catcher or if anything just wait at some point if you do need a third catcher 
you can do something, whether it be DFA someone or an injury is going to come up and you can move them to the 60. I'm shocked that they made this move now to add a third catcher to or fourth catcher to the 40 man. Yeah. Uh, 65780, by the way, good point from the 402. Guys, just a heads up, Dakota Hudson will go on the 60-day IL next week. That would free up another spot. So it'll be 38 members, uh, th- yeah. 38 players on the 40-man roster. Good point. Something that I hadn't really considered, to be honest. Uh, from the 618, guys, do you think that Mizzou rebounds and beats Arkansas tomorrow in college hoops? Whew. We didn't talk about it because there was a lot of other stuff going on at the time. Mizzou got the break speed off of them on Wednesday night against Ole Miss. Hmm. I don't know how much of that game you watched, Alex. Uh, not much, I think, because... Was there there wasn't a hockey game on at that time? No, the Blues weren't playing. They haven't played, I think, in three weeks. Um, Ole Miss crushed them, (laughs) dominated them. I want to make this very clear. Ole Miss is quite literally the worst Power 5 shooting three-point team in the country. There's not a single Power 5 team in the the country that shoots worse on three-pointers than Ole Miss. They, They made eight threes. They went eight for 21 in that game against Mizzou. They just, they shot the lights out of the ball. I think Mizzou rebounds. I hate this matchup for them. I know Mizzou already won uh, uh, against Arkansas earlier this season. I don't like this matchup for Mizzou at all. I think they win, though, and I think it's a close one. I think they're able to take it down. I think this one's really close. It all comes down to them, their shooting percentage, which has been so up and down the season. One game, these guys are shooting above 70%. Then the next game, they can't hit a two-pointer to save their life. So it all comes down to that. I did love Quanzo Martin's uh, comment, though, the other day about watching film this season compared to last season and how much faster they play. Yep. I, I agree with them. Like, this team is so much faster now than what they've done the last couple of seasons, which is working in their favor. Yeah, they're in the middle of the pack when it comes to their tempo like how fast they play yeah. last year. They were one of the slower teams in the country. So they, they have definitely gone to more of an up-tempo offense, which is much more enjoyable to watch. If you're a Mizzou fan, he's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. coming up next. Let's play a, a little game of as the hot stove turns because <laughs> it churned quite a bit last night. We'll tell you who has signed and what the Cardinals new options are coming up next on 101 ESPN.